are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another live stream edition of Locked On Dolphins. We're doing Power to the Pod here on a Friday night, which is a little untraditional for us here on Locked On Dolphins, but it's been a busy week. This is going to be podcast episode number seven for the week. If you can't tell, we're a little excited to get things rolling with week one of the 2020-21 regular season. Dolphins, Patriots, Sunday, 425 p.m. Welcome to the show. Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And uh, for those of you who are tuning in live on the YouTube channel, Locked On Dolphins, make sure you hit like, subscribe, and uh, engage today. Today is all about you guys, your questions, your hot takes, uh, the things that you want to talk about uh, for a little bit before we bounce out of here and uh, check out some college football tonight. Make sure you drop your questions in the comments. I've got iTunes reviews, I've got Twitter questions, no shortage of things that you, the listeners of this show, want to talk about. So it's in your hands. And since it is a Friday, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, we are going to have a little bit of uh, a nightcap here to kind of take the edge off. Appreciate everybody who is carving some time out of their day to tune in and check us out. If you got questions... Leaving an OG highway. Listen, man, this is about the eighth time you've had the airport basketball court joke. I'm trying my best to get you guys all the content as soon as possible. So if that means I got to record at the airport, you're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, you notice in the comments asking, uh, I didn't want Grant, Jakeem Grant, to make the team, but since he has, do you think it's possible it all finally clicks this year for him, or have we already passed that possibility? In my opinion, your ceiling for Jakeem Grant, we've already seen what that looks like. And, and I think the challenge for the Dolphins, and I think they're well aligned to do it this year relative to years past, is to manage his snaps in a way that's not going to ask him to do things that don't put him in a position to be successful. When, when you talk traditionally about scheming guys, touch it and gadget guys who get a handful of touches on any given game, that's Jakeem. And then the fact that you've got the return game dynamic going for him, that's great. You know, there's value in that as a player, but to ask him to be your Z receiver where the, the catch radius that he's down the field, tracking the football, it's just not going to be successful. And if it was, I think it would have come together by now, personally. Um, I think the depth of the receiver room this year is going to allow them to be selective with Jakeem to only put him in spots that is going to allow him to be successful. I think that means you may see the best version of Jakeem, but it's not because he's going to be any different. I think it's because the usage uh, is going to be more tailored to where he wins, if that makes sense. Uh, Doug, with a question. What's one trade you would make to shore up the offensive line? I don't know if I'm making one. Uh, obviously, Greg Little. I think Greg Little is a good get for the Dolphins. I think he has potential to pay off. Uh, 
uh, in the long run to be a quality swing tackle. And who knows, you know, with his physical abilities, he was a top 40 pick for the Carolina Panthers in 2019. Uh, so that's the kind of common theme that I keep coming back to with this offensive line is if you're going to bring somebody else in, I think it's going to have to be somebody who's been well-established. Uh, I don't know how many more young guys you want to bring in uh, because we've gone through the numbers. Seven of the nine players on the Dolphins' active roster as offensive linemen are players who uh, have two years or less of tenure in the NFL. So is there a veteran out there that would make sense for Miami? Maybe. Do I know who that would be off the top of my head? No, but I think like we'd really have to dig and we'd really have to be mindful um, of trying to find a fit from a scheme perspective, a value perspective, a draft capital perspective, or player perspective, whoever you're sending out. Um, a leadership perspective, I think there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle that make it difficult other than just taking swings of the bat because they took swings of the bat. And I like the swings of the bat that they took with Isaiah Wilson for a future seven. Like, who cares, right? And, and the, the Greg Little insertion, if you could find more opportunities like that, I'm always going to be down, but uh, because of their their physical tools. Let's see here. Bishop Sycamore's finest. Terrific username. Kyle, how are the Patriots going to contend with the speed at wide receiver tight end? Waddle, Wilson, Grant, Parker, Gasecki. Patriots have no coverage. Linebackers, Finns, wide receivers, and tight ends will enjoy the approved six feet of separation all game long. You'd like to think, um, you'd like to think that if the Dolphins, here's what I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see more 12 or 11 personnel. I think that's a big kind of, I think I'll know in the first possession of the game with what they come out with, with their opening script from a personnel perspective, what they're going to try to do to be successful. Are you going to come out in 12 and try and bulk up your pass protection and help guys and send less guys out onto the routes and then ask your backs to be more involved in the passing game if they're not picked up with blitzers? Or are you going to try and stretch the field horizontally, push down the field vertically and hope that your protection can, can hang up? Because I agree with you. Uh, this this 11 personnel grouping of Waddle, Wilson, Grant, Parker, and Gusecki sounds phenomenal. But if you can't block them up front, then you're going to have to do a lot of nickeling and diming to get the ball out of your hands. So uh, I would agree with you that generally speaking, especially with Stephon Gilmore out, potentially with Jalen Mills being banged up, um, there's going to be plus mismatches for the Dolphins athletes on the perimeter. It's how well does New England tackle? And can guy like Kyle Duggar at safety for New England really step up and be a big presence to kind of help match athleticism? Framo, watching Werfs protect Brady last night hurt my heart. Are there any upcoming draft prospects that could truly shore up our offensive line? Or are we just going to have to finally pay out for protection? Well, you know, I don't think Werfs should hurt your heart. I think I'd start there. Uh, Miami picked 18. The team, San Francisco, that traded out of that spot at 13, uh, they traded back to 14 because there was a guy that they wanted to guarantee that they were going to get. If you want to be mad at somebody, you can be mad at San Francisco, right? Because that 2020 draft, two of their targets, presumably, 
you, you know, you, you definitely be calling if, if Werfs is there at 13 and they're looking to get out, but you're not going to beat an offer that somebody's given to move back one spot. So San Francisco took Tampa's offer and then San Francisco jumps Miami by one spot and drafts Brandon Ayuk, who presumably they wanted at 26, which then the domino effect takes place. And, uh, Noah Bonagany becomes that pick after they trade back to 30. So, uh, don't, don't cry. Cause it didn't happen. Um, be angry at San Francisco because it didn't happen. Um, this is a good year for offensive linemen. I don't know if there's slam dunks and I certainly, uh, there, there's nobody that's even perceived to be in the aura of, uh, Rayshon Slater or, um, Penny Sewell from this past year's draft class. In my mind, I think there's more, uh, scheme specific type values. You know, Evan Neal from Alabama is a total ass kicker and he'd be a phenomenal fit for the dolphins. It's a question of, uh, and he's plays naturally right side. He switched over to play left tackle this year, but he's played inside and right tackle and now left tackle for Alabama. So that positional flexibility, you know, is really going to move the needle, but he's probably going to be a top 10 pick. Like you're probably not going to sniff him. I'll say this. One thing I do do a lot of is I go to the draftnetwork.com, of course, the director of scouting there. And I pull up the mock draft simulator and I'll, I'll run simulations. And the draft order right now is based on uh, the Vegas Super Bowl lot. So Miami's pick is right around 25, 26, somewhere like that. And I don't like a lot of the options. I think that that is a dead zone uh, a little bit for this year's draft class is 20 and beyond. I think a lot of the talents that you're seeing available in projections right now have more questions than answers. But again, this line is very, very young. Uh, let's give it another 17 games and, and see who does what before we determine what exactly we do or don't need um, along the offensive line. Eric, question from Eric. Do you think the Dolphins try to avoid New England's front set? I like this question, Eric. This is a nice question. Do you think the Dolphins try to avoid New England's front seven like Dallas did against Tampa? Hopefully not as extreme. Yeah, so uh, Dallas threw the ball, what? Dak had 58 attempts on Thursday Night Football against Tampa Bay. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there were a number of instances of RPOs, uh, which allows the quarterback to, to make a jurisdiction at the snap of the football as far, as far as from a numbers count perspective where the right place is to go with the ball and you get your athletes uh, the ball in space and let them try and make some plays. So I liked the game plan that Dallas brought to the table. I don't think it's going to be that extreme. Uh, but again, remember my working theory with the Dolphins offense is that this is a unit that's going to pass to set up the run. So yeah, I, I probably expect 35 attempts or so. Um, and, and hopefully Miami can get some explosives, uh, explosive plays, 20-plus yard chunk plays early, uh, move down the field in a hurry, end up manufacturing uh, a couple early scores, and then they can try to lean on New England throughout the course of the game and try and wear them out. Uh, that's your ideal script, right, is you, you manufacture some chunk plays on offense, you have a turnover or two and, and some sacks and some early uh, three and outs. Uh, when New England has the football, you jump on top of them early and you can turn it into kind of a grind it out type game. Roger. 
Do you think Coach Flores hid Jalen Phillips during the preseason? Will they unleash him this game so we could see the potential? I don't know if hid is the right terminology, uh, but I will say I, I think Miami uh, did a lot of playing around and, and experimenting with Jalen Phillips to kind of get a feel for where what his comfort level was working in space and doing zone drops. And I, I think your utilization in the regular season is going to look a lot more like what we expected uh, Jalen Phillips's utilization to look like as a player. Before we go any further, you guys, you're cranking out the questions. I love it. Got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. This is a top of the first. This is the Jalen Waddle of protein bars. Okay. There, there's no issues with not being able to catch the football because you can't see there's no laces or there's no white lines on the ball or anything. No, this Built Bar is Jalen Waddle, baby. Explosive plays, average touchdown distance of 40 yards, you name it. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. And whether you're looking for something that's a meal replacement, something grab and go, something keto friendly, midnight snack, post-workout snack, you name it. Built Bar can be it. And right now you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and you can save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Oh, this is cool. From Framo. Thanks for answering. My dad and I listen to you from across the country and love hopping on after the phone to chat. Thanks for aiding our father-daughter bonding. Fins up. Absolutely. Uh, I got a little one myself. She's uh, getting ready for her first Dolphin season opener. She turned nine months today, uh, which is crazy. Uh, but she's been in Dolphins onesies. My wife goes away to work. I work from home. Uh, and she comes home and the dolph the baby is in a Dolphins onesie every single day. So she is definitely getting in on some father-daughter bonding around the Dolphins as well. So cheers to that. Joshua, with a very pressing question, does Gronk have the angle? No. Scientists, they've done research on this, and they have found that Rob Gronkowski still does not, in fact, have the angle, which you just absolutely hate to see. Uh, you're gutted for it. Chris, trying to get me all riled up here on a Friday night. What would you say is the biggest reason to be optimistic that this year's Dolphins team won't repeat an 0-2 start against their division rivals? Continuity, uh, I think, is the number one uh, reason that I can point to to say that there's some enthusiasm here. You know, we, we've made a coordinator change on the offensive side of the football, but the two coaches that they inserted into that role are guys who were with the team last year and familiar with Tua Tagovailoa. Say what you will about Jalen Waddle being a rookie. Right there. He played two years with Tua Tagovailoa at the University of Alabama. Starting offensive line, four guys are back from last year's team, uh, potentially all five guys being back from last year's team, depending on what happens with Austin Jackson to start the year. Mike Gusecki, the, the chemistry that exists, the playing experience the two had. Uh, and then defensively, there's no defensive coordinator change this year like there was from 2019 to 2020. And that's that's the biggest thing for me. You got some key new pieces. Uh, one of those, Jason McCourty, is familiar with the system. Stepping into it. Uh, I think there's a lot of lot more continuity. We're no longer in a foundational 
building period here. We are in start fast, and that's apparently been the message to the team, and it needs to be the message to the team, is, is you need to start fast. You can't afford to start 0-2 and be 0-2 in the AFC East this year. If we get to that point, hell hath no fury like locked on Dolphins after uh, week two if Miami starts the year 0-2 because that'll be extremely frustrating. I'm hopeful that that's not the case, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but I'm going to move on and say hello to Noah's son or daughter. My six-year-old is pouting because I got you on the big TV. Dean DuPont. Hello, young man. Thanks for watching Locked On Dolphins. And make sure you give your dad a big old hug and say thanks for raising you right and being a Miami Dolphins fan. Bishop Sycamore's finest back with another question. Kyle, do you agree with Chris Sims? He says, Mac was the better quarterback coming out of Alabama. Do you think Sims is a reliable quarterback evaluator? Chris has had some nice hits. Um, but I would say this. If you, if you haven't missed, you haven't scouted. And that's the number one thing that I have learned through my time in scouting for the NFL draft is when you think you got it down to a science, Karma winds up and gives you a big old curveball. And everybody who seems to have adopted Mac Jones is the golden child, and he is just going to be the bee's knees and sunshine and rainbows from the moment his cleats touch the turf. Like, I think that's a lot of revisionist, I don't know, recency bias is probably the phrasing that I'm looking for because. Did we not forget what Tua looked like with his transition from Alabama to the pros? And I'm sorry, I've got a great deal of respect for the New England Patriots offensive line. I've got a great deal of respect for the New England Patriots coaching staff. I get a great deal of respect for the tight ends that they have and their ability to run the football. Mac Jones is used to throwing to Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and John Metchie, who's going to be a top 20 pick in 2022, and Jaleel Billingsley at tight end who's going to be a top 50 pick probably unless there's disciplinary issues. And he was third string on the depth chart against the University of Miami for week one because of disciplinary issues. He's a total freak uh, as far as playing the tight end position. And we're going to throw to Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers, and we think we're just it's just going to be this seamless transition. Okay. I think there's something to be said about the transition that takes place. And like, yeah, Max probably better in the pre-snap as a rookie than what Tua Tungvaloa was as far as understanding the picture before the snap. But I don't think you can look at anything that Mac Jones does from a physical perspective other than being taller and weighing more than Tua. That's better. I don't think he's as accurate as Tua. I don't think he's as effective throwing off-platform as Tua, he's not as quick twitch as Tua. He's not as fast as Tua. Not that that really matters for either one of them. Max kind of got these long, gangly steps. You force him to reset his feet or get off his spot. And like he never had success with that at Alabama, but he never had to get off his spot because he played at Alabama and his first read was open all the time because Steve Sarkeesian was in his bag all year. 
So I know I've got a lot of questions about Mac Jones and Kyle. What were your thoughts on Mac Jones coming out? And like, I think he was really smart. I think he was really sharp as a football player, but from a physical tools perspective, and obviously everybody will say, Oh, Tom Brady was the same thing. And yeah, that's fine. Tom Brady is the greatest exception to the rule, the history of the sport. I'm sorry, but Tom Brady, who couldn't keep the starting job at the University of Michigan because of politics and then got skipped over a bunch and was a sixth-round pick, is not going to have the same chip on his shoulder and FU attitude that Mac Jones has playing at the University of Alabama being a top-15 pick. I just don't think you can just Xerox and replicate that recipe, put it in the same helmet, and expect it to be honky-dory. The expectations are a little skewed here. Douglas, do Finns stop or neutralize the Patriots' run game on Sunday? I don't know if you can truly stop it. Uh, but I think you, if you... The game script is going to have to go a certain way. And, like, you can't be down seven points midway through the third quarter and expect New England to not run for 150 yards. That's an arbitrary number, and at the end of the day, like I just pulled that number off the top of my head. But I think the, the pathway to neutralizing New England, which we talked about a little bit on Wednesday's show, so I don't want to go too deep dive into the, the schematics involved, but I'm playing middle of the field closed, so I'm rolling that extra safety down into the box. So I got eight in the box a lot of the time. Uh, my linebackers and, and safety that's rolled down are really dialed in on the tight ends from a disciplinary perspective. I'm playing one-on-one -on, -one on the outside until they prove that I can't. And I'm going B-gap to B-gap. I'm going head up across the board or shaded. And it doesn't have to be zero techs on guard, center, guard. It can be uh, a bear or a, a tight, a mint front. Uh, which just means some variation of shaded defenders, you know, outside shoulder of guard, head up on those, outside shoulder of guard, um, occupying those interior three offensive linemen. I think that's the recipe that that really allows Miami then, from that point on, they're going to try and run off tackle and do a lot of pulling and kickouts, and then just your guys on the edge are going to have to play big boy football and really squeeze that down and not give up creases. You, what's your prediction on when Javon Holland gets his chance to start? That's a good question. Jacksonville, which is week six in London. Gets you through the first five weeks, allows him to kind of assimilate it in a rotational role and get in more and more and more and more and more. Uh, if you want to play him in the nickel sum or if you want to play him as a third safety that's down in the box, he can do all that. He did all that at Oregon in 2019 at a very high level. My question is how comfortable they're going to feel with asking him to do those things relative to just be the play caller and play in the high post. I would think they'll take their time through those first five games because you got to worry about Josh McDaniels and then you got to worry about Josh Allen. And then obviously you go to Las Vegas uh, and then you come back and you play Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts. And then it's Tampa Bay. And then, like, 
you get a nice little lull with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback in Jacksonville. And I think that's a really logical spot to say like, Hey, this is an extra month of you for assimilating into the, uh, the defense and, and calling plays. We're going to tag you in now and let you go out and get it. Next question. Ace Perhead is looking at Raekwon Davis. This is from Gallant. Looking at Raekwon Davis to be a key in stopping the run. Yeah. Dude is going to have to be a monster. And I think that's piggybacking off what we've already talked about. I think this is why, for me personally, it's um, it's important that the Dolphins do go with bare and uh, mint or tight fronts. Because when you occupy those three interior offensive linemen, what you then prevent them from doing is doubling the nose. You get him in a one-on-one situation because those offensive linemen are going to have to take care of the guy that's head up over top of him. And if you want to double, you're going to double from the tackle into the guard. Uh, and that depends on if there's somebody walked up outside or not. So if you go five across the front, two stack linebackers and a safety that roams around in kind of a rover, uh, or rat type role within 10 yards. Um, I, you're going to dictate a lot of the blocking that either they're going to have to block down and pull and then like cut or, or lock the back tackle, the backside tackle with whoever that end man on the line of scrimmage is. Or you can try and run past him and, and leave that end man of the line of scrimmage unblocked and dare him to chase the play down from the backside. Uh, but you're not going to get duo. You're not going to get a bunch of inside zone with doubles climbing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it kind of dictates terms inside a little bit more that way. Logan, who do you see getting more snaps between Wilson and Waddle? And how does that change when Fuller comes back week two and further? That's really hard to say. Um... I would like to think Waddle gets more run with the vision that you would assume that they had for him, but that's a total guess on my part. I don't have any context, um, and they may keep him fresh. They may constantly rotate those guys, or if they're going to do a lot of 11, you might see a lot of both of those guys. That kind of goes back to at the top of the show. You know, I'll get a probably get a feel within the first two drives on whether or not they're going to play a lot of 12 and help pass protection that way to try and create more explosive plays by potentially doing seven-man protections by leaving the tight end in and then asking your running back to pick up and pass pro as well. Or if they go 11, it's a lot more six-man protection and you're going to try and flood guys out into space quickly and let Tua make decisions by the time his back foot hits his drop. If it's 11, I think you're you're even. If it's 12, I'd like to think Waddle will get more of a run. Last question. Got some college football calling my name. Iwan wants to know what role I see Brandon Jones playing this year. Talked about that with this with Joe Rose uh, for the second podcast that came out on Friday. Uh, I was originally going to have that be an add-on to this, but Joe and I ended up talking for like 40 minutes. It's a phenomenal conversation. I cannot recommend enough that you guys check it out. 
Joe's feedback, and I trust Joe's judgment here, is that Brandon is the best tackler of the safety room, but probably the worst coverage guy. And that falls in line. The reason why I trust that so much is that falls in line exactly with what my assessment of Brandon Jones was coming out of the University of Texas when I did his NFL draft report. So if you want to go big nickel, I think what's interesting is once Javon Holland assimilates into play free safety and you want to go big nickel, which means you have three safeties on the field in a nickel package. So instead of playing base, you run that offensive lineman off or that linebacker off or whoever, and a safety comes on the field. I think you can do a lot with Jones, Holland, and Rowe from a defending the run perspective and being interchangeable. Um, so I think he's he's his ideal role is to be the third safety with time and let McCourty maybe serve as depth or backup free safety. Or maybe Jones takes those snaps early on. It's hard to say it's if his experience trumps the potential upside of Javon Holland before Holland takes over the starting role. And maybe Holland rolls out there on Sunday and he takes the starting role. I'd be surprised if he did, but you never know. So, I think he definitely has a, a seat at the table. This team drafted him in the third round in 2020. And he had, he was not bad last year. So we'll see. That is going to do it for us here on the live stream. There's some 50 of you guys who jumped in on a Friday night at 8-something p.m., which is just really, really cool. Uh, I cannot thank you guys enough for partaking in the live streams and taking an interest of us having a presence on YouTube, uh, locked on dolphins. Make sure you like the video video, hit subscribe on the channel. That way you get the push notifications. When we do go live, somebody who joked early on, we're getting addicted to the, uh, the live streaming presence. And I, I just enjoy hearing from you guys. I sincerely enjoy getting the feedback that you guys have, uh, hearing what your thoughts are on whatever I tackle. And what I really try my best to do is to give you my perspective on the state of the Dolphins, but not tell you what you should think. That's up for you to decide. Everybody has a right to fan in their own way. Uh, Jay, we'll wrap with this. Any plans to to collaborate with Dougley? Man, I, I love Dougley's stuff. I would love nothing more than to hop on a show with Dougley and talk a little Dolphins football. So. Uh, Maybe I'll have to hit Dougley up and see if he's interested as well. But for now, that's going to do it for us. You'll be hearing from me on Sunday night slash Monday for hopefully our first Victory Monday episode of the show in 2021. Cheers. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for watching and or listening if you're on the podcast feed on Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. Fins up.